Howdy and welcome to Love Letters, a podcast about the games, shows and movies most important to us. I'm your host, Jesse Munro, and in this morning episode, I am joined by two special guests. Yes, this is a special one. I have reached the deepest depths of the accursed sea floor and trawled up a cataclysmic tangle. Two figures staring at the same work of art from different sides of the same coin on one side. The man, the fan, and one half of the Dialogue Option podcast, our Mr. Kyron Morrison. And mirrored beyond the cosmic veil, the programmer, the writer, part of the brains behind 2023 smash hit and my personal game of the year, Dredge, it's Joel Mason from Black Salt Games. How are we doing? Fantastic. I mean, that, that intro is probably the best I've had in all of the podcasts I've done. Amazing. And it only took two goes. <laughs> hey, you didn't just say that, Jesse. We, we could have... I ruined the illusion instantly. Could have believed in one. Ah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. How are we? Yeah, good. Yeah, so we just uh, released our first uh, paid DLC for, for Dredge, like two days ago, uh, you know, woke up at three in the morning to see that one go live, uh, as I as I always end up doing. Uh, and yeah, it's been it's been received really well. So we're, we're pretty happy over here. Time zones definitely got the better of me because I thought it was coming out on Thursday. And like, it got to I woke up on Thursday morning, like, oh, download it straight away. I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? There are other people? What do you mean? The Earth is a globe? No, I was promised a game today. <laughs> a little bit on edge. It doesn't seem fair, it does it, Jesse? It doesn't. I don't know who to speak to about time, but when I find out they're getting a fucking email, I'll tell you what, I was not happy about it. <laughs> but uh, Kyra and myself have, have, have finished uh, Power Reach and absolutely loved it. And if you're out there and you've played Dredge and you want a little bit more of the mystery, make sure you uh, go download that. Because look, there may be... There'll be spoilers for Dredge. There may be minor spoilers for Power Reach in here. So be careful there. But Joel, like I said, you're you're part of uh, Black, Re- uh, Black Salt Games. Black Reach Games. Black Salt Games. Tell us a bit about yourself. So, yeah, as you as you said in the intro, I'm the programmer and, and writer, although Dredge is the first thing I've ever written. So it feels weird to call myself a writer. I'm, I'm a programmer, really, uh, and have been for about 10 years uh, working... For most of it, at a work-for-hire studio, making games for other people, um, which was which, fine, you know. Um, but you know, we didn't get to put our names in the credits of a lot of these games, and had very little creative input. So yeah, we we spun off from that company as a group of three, and then later grew to four, uh, and formed Black Salt Games, uh, where we could make our own, our first own title, uh, which was Dredge, uh, and yeah. That's the story to now, I guess. How, how does it feel to like step up to the plate for the first time, like not just as Black Salt Games, but also as a writer, like you said, and hitting a home run on the first go? Uh, it it feels entirely surreal, and uh, you know we, we feel incredibly lucky. Um, you know, th- there's a there's a feeling of like, did we deserve to? you know succeed a lot of people like really really struggle and we we definitely anticipated uh you know not even breaking even on our first ever game um because I, th- I think in the in the indie space particularly you should never really bank on your first game doing anything uh we so we sort of treated it as a learning experience for us you know learning about how to do stuff for consoles for steam learning how to manage community all of these things that we'd never done before uh, and we were just lucky that people seemed to like the game. Quite a lot as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, listeners, you may, you may listen to this and be like, 
Kyra and, and, and Jesse are simping so hard right now. No, we've been simping since day one of this game, okay? This isn't like, oh, we've got to guess them. We're going to be nice. We have. No, no, this has been a thing, <laughs> okay? Um, if you've been following Kyron on, on, his, on his socials, you'd see that for the longest time he had, uh, what was it, Play Dredge as part of your... It's still in there. there. It's back How in there. Back? It, it came out for PAX. It came out for oh, PAX yes. and then it went back to Play Dredge. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. It was... Don't worry, it was it's still Signalis there. before, right? It was play Signalis. Yeah, yeah, it was Sig- yeah. Signalis was last year. This year is Dredge. All right, I'll play it eventually. You should play them both though. <laughs> it, it's on my Switch. <laughs> I have Signalis. When I loaded up Dredge, I could see Signalis next. I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> the important thing is I bought it. Okay, so we're fine there. It's true. It's true. Um, I'm going to throw this question to both of you. What is Dredge? Oh. I'll let Kyron take this. I, I don't know if I'm in a position. To, I don't know if I'm even in a position to answer this question. <laughs> I, I'm interested to hear your your definition. I'm always interested to hear. Okay. All right. Well, look. The best way I can think of describing it is imagine imagine fishing mini games, right? But something's not quite right. Like you know, you go out there, you're catching some 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 tuna, maybe some some mackerel. And then maybe you catch a fish that's actually just a spiraling void into itself. And, you know, that's probably fine. Nothing to worry about. Um, you, you sail around to all these, uh, it was, what, I guess there's five locations now, five little little destinations. Um, each destination has its own, I don't know what it would even use, its own threat, I guess, that just sort of lingers in that area. Each, and, and again, a lot, of, a lot of what makes this game work for me is, frankly, the ocean is terrifying anyway. Like, doesn't need any help, but Dredge just plays on that in a way that uh, was nice. I don't know. Uh, w- we describe Dredge as um, basically a forward title, a cosmic horror fishing adventure, uh, and I think those are a lot of words that that people have never really seen together. Uh, but <laughs> the reaction when we say that is like, oh, actually, that ma- that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, it is. It is. You know. On the surface, it looks kind of like a fishing game, right? But we we sort of try to think of it as more of an exploration story game. Uh, you know, it's not a min-maxing game. It's not a competitive game. It's sort of a cozy game, and it's sort of a horror game. It's not like a hardcore horror, because none of us are hardcore horror gamers. Um, we just sort of like the atmosphere. Um, but it's got, it's got a lot of... Um, aspects of the game loop that i and that we all enjoy from other games so it's like got a really tight upgrade loop so you know catching fish selling fish making money buying new equipment and upgrading your boat and like feeling like you're growing stronger um which i think also helps people who might be new to horror like overcome those barriers as they put more lights on, put more engines on and start to feel more powerful. One thing that the game absolutely nails for me is that moment to moment gameplay loop is absolutely silk smooth. Like it it is perfect. It allows yourself to get immersed in the world itself. And I find, especially nowadays, so many games just bombard you with so many fucking systems, but this one's just like, no, this is, it, it is a simple gameplay loop, but it allows the rest of the story to breathe. And I've mentioned this on, Dozens, if not hundreds of podcasts I've been on. One of my favorite things in games, and I still haven't found a proper way to put it into words, is like desperate isolation. So I think to a game like um, Outer Wilds, my favorite moments in that game 
when you're by yourself, you're in space, and just the tiniest part of your ship hits a rock, and you're just dead in the water. You're just floating through space, and you have to get out. It's quiet. You've only got yourself to rely on. And there's like so much tension, but when you when you when you do it, you feel really good about it. You got yourself out of a bind. I found whenever my ship hit rocks, whenever my engines went out, I got that exact same feeling. And you've got all these other things happening. You have these terrifying red eyes and these birds that are just so angry. Oh, the birds give you every single time, and these big tentacles coming out of the water and shadows in the deep. And all you want to do is, is get sharks. to safety. And it's just such a simple thing. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it just scratched that part of my brain that a few, only few games have done, but it did it constantly. And it just never got old, which is why, well, one of the big reasons I absolutely fell in love with the game. The, the second one was obviously the story itself. I think when we first were talking about Dredge on, uh, probably wasn't dialogue options, like and subscribe. Um, I mentioned really early on the piece, I was like, yeah, this is like secondary story going on in the background about like uh, a husband and wife on a boat and, you know, something's happened to them. And I'm like, it's really cool. There's like this secondary mystery that you could solve, not realizing that at one point that would all join up together. And I remember I was listening to that episode and then um, playing the game at the same time and just being like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> of course it was them the whole time. <laughs> Um, Joel, I'm going to swing this back to you. What was it like when you and the team started seeing the first reviews and the and the, the tweets from people like Karen and myself falling in love for the game? So, so I guess there were lots of different stages of that because we had the demo that came out in August, October 2022, which was around PAX time um, when you guys might have seen it. And that was, I guess, our first time where the public had seen the game. You know, before that, we do, you know, we do a lot of playtesting with people in our Discord um, and our friends and colleagues, and then also testing through our, our publisher. But, you know, these these are all people that are sort of vaguely affiliated with us and maybe feel an obligation to to like the game. So, you know, we say, "Oh, what did you think?" And they say, "Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good." And you know, you sort of don't believe them. Um, you, know, you get a little bit of confidence out of it, but not, at least for me, not enough. Um, but yeah, opening it up to the Steam Next Fest, where we got, I think, 70,000 players through uh, who had no obligation to be nice to us. And the response was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, that was a, a bit of a weight off off my chest, I think. Uh you know, being being such a pessimist, I never thought that the game would be would be any good. Um, but but still, even then, the the demo was only the first area of the game, and we'd spent you know a lot of time testing that and getting feedback on that. But it's the the later areas of the game; it's it's a lot harder to get the same number of people through and and giving feedback on those areas. So we're still kind of nervous about the main release because you know there's eighty percent of the game that people hadn't seen. Uh, and when yeah, when review embargo lifted at 4am the week before release, I just remember like waking up at 4am and scrolling through my phone, <laughs> just like on Metacritic, can't really see the screen, I can just see some like green numbers and I was like, okay, I can relax now. It seems mostly positive, so that's good. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, the the nerves and the anxiety never really stopped until like review embargo. It it was really cool when that all happened because and Cara asked in a moment how you kind of discovered the game, but we'd been talking about it for a little bit, and you know you kind of put as as a fan you sort of put your chips in on certain games. It's like I I, I want this to succeed because that's the, the gamer mentality for right or for wrong. Um, and every year of the last few years, you know, we've had like, you know, your Hades, your Cult of the Lambs. Like there's been that indie game that just sort of just burst through and everyone's like, this is this is the one for the year. I was so happy when I saw Dredge. Those reviews that came out were just so good. Everyone was liking it for similar reasons. Just this like general vibe and that disparity between like, is this a cozy game or Am I kind of terrified? It's like it's like being wrapped up in a blanket during a, a thunderstorm. It's like a terrifying, but that's kind perfect, of nice. Jesse. Perfect still. description. <laughs> but I could die at sort of any moment. <laughs> With those initial responses, I guess just from kind of um, word of mouth and fans, are there any uh, reactions that sort of surprise you? Any, any sort of takeaways that people had that you and the team didn't see coming? Yeah, there, there was a, f- a few. Um Largely, uh, all of the sort of sort of criticisms of the game and its shortcomings were things that we were aware of. Like, like I said before, you know, we do, did a lot of playtesting, um, and so so nothing really came as a surprise, other than one thing, which is uh, at least for the first week or so until we took it out was the like number one reason for negative reviews on Steam, which was the timed quests. Um, so just to explain, uh, for those who haven't played, there are four hooded figures around the world and they sort of cryptically ask you to bring them a sequence of fish. Uh, and the game does not tell you that they're actually really, really hungry and they're going to starve if you don't bring those fish soon enough. Uh, and some of those fish requests require you to go to like sort of late game areas and maybe have late game equipment. Uh to, and then th- then they would die because you wouldn't get them and therefore the players would not get the reward at the end of that quest we we still counted that as a like completed quest for the sake of achievements and, and whatnot but players really really hated the f- the timed nature or perhaps the fact it wasn't communicated to them at all we on the dev team thought like oh this would be like a fun little thing and you know they'll get Players will get caught off guard. Um, you know, we've seen things like this in in Dark Souls um, and and that line of games where characters will just die if you like do a thing over on one side of the map, another character will die. We never saw a whole lot of pushback against that, but perhaps it's because it's that kind of game, and maybe it didn't quite fit Dredge. Um, so yeah, we were we were very surprised by the reactions to that because we didn't consider it such a big deal that players missed out on like a two percent boat speed book uh but people hated it so we took it out when i saw the white pale hooded figure in power reach i turned on haste and i absolutely booked it i'm like this man's gonna die it just it it, it burned my skull i think half of my time over the last two days has been responding to people on on reddit and stuff saying no no don't worry they're still not timed because a lot of people have had the exact same reaction and there's now so many there's so much media out there like youtube videos on like how to complete these things quickly that people just 
new new players to the game think they're timed and freak out, even though they were only timed for like three days until we patched it out. There needs to be like a line of dialogue and then just being like, I have some food. I'm hungry, but I got a half a sandwich. I should be okay. But look, if we can speed it up, we should be okay. Kyron, like I asked before, like how, how did you discover Dredge? So I actually discovered Dredge, boy, it was on Twitter. Unfortunately, it was it was on Twitter. <laughs> um, I was follow I follow um Ali Hennessy, who's working on Mystique's game now, and I remember seeing her tweet about this game. I think it was mostly a screenshot or something, but I saw the screenshot. I'm like, well, I, I need to know more about this game, and that was when I first initially discovered it. But it was at a uh, PAX Jesse, where we stood there longingly looking at it. That I truly fell in love with the game. I was too nervous to play the demo there. I was like, no, I have to play it at home. Curtains curtains drawn. No one can watch me. Um, but that was pretty much where I first discovered it. On Twitter from a tweet, and then PAX was where it fully blossomed into obsession. You, you hit on a on a good note there. Um, the the fact you didn't want to play it at a convention. I, I actually hate it when people play it at conventions. I a lot of the time tell them just to like go home and play the demo later. Like this is not the the space for it. You know, there's often like yeah. bloody rave music and stuff. Like especially at Tokyo Game Show, we were next to a whole bunch of like crazy <laughs> animatronic booths, and there's our little oh, atmospheric no. horror game on like a pokey little stool. I'm like, just don't, <laughs> just go home, do it there. What would you say the ideal setup to play dredges? Uh, headphones on, volume up, lights off. That I I've played through it a few times like that. I actually this is back in the day, so listeners back back when I had more hopes and dreams. Story mode gaming used to have a website, and we we're going to make videos. And we had all sorts of ideas, but I really wanted to do a thing where we reviewed games while doing something that was in the game. So like, I wanted to review a game like Untitled Goose Game back when I had a goose living behind my house and I was going to sit in the grass near it as it sort of tried to attack me and try to review the game, I had an idea of, like, could I, like, rent a boat and review Dredge on the ocean? Like, is that doable? <laughs> kind of glad I didn't because I would have died. But ha- what, what a way to go. <laughs> We've had a number of people send us screenshots or, or like, photos of the game being played on boats. Uh, I remember one was like... That's awesome. Presumably he was a captain of a, of a, of a ship, like sent us a photo <laughs> of the game running on a Steam Deck on like a huge control panel of what must have been like a tanker or something. Um, we've also seen people be like play it on like actual little tugboats, like more like the, the style of boat that's in the game. Um, that's that's super cool. I, I've got to confess, I probably haven't even been near an ocean since making the game. <laughs> After making the game, I wouldn't want to go near the ocean. <laughs> I, I I will ask about that later on because I feel like there's some beef between you you and the sea. Um, I like I love the idea of that um that ship captain playing it on a big screen and it cutting across to that big um ship that blocked the canal. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, I shouldn't have put it on the uh, shouldn't have put it on the monitor. <laughs> Kyra, when you mentioned watching this at PAX, we, we literally stood there for like 15 to 20 minutes just staring at it, be like, look at look at that, look at that yeah. inventory screen. It's like it's like Resident Evil 4. This is really good. We're just like whispering things to each other. Like, Don't go too close, we'll scare it away. <laughs> just if we stand here, maybe they'll be like, hey guys, just, just the game's watch. actually secretly done. He is a copy. <laughs> it's like, yes. 
You know, it almost was. Ooh. Oh, the the game was was. I mean, we we still continued working on it for a number of months, like polishing and stuff. But like, you could play the whole thing, start to finish, and we were relatively happy with it by then. In fact, the demo, if you could get out of bounds, you could play the whole game. Basically, we never saw anybody manage to do it. Um, and of course, now it's just you know easier to steal the game if you want to you know do that. Um, but yeah, uh, it it was essentially done with the game itself. Like, where did your inspiration i know you, you've probably been asked this question a million times but where did your inspiration for dredge come from and i'm not just talking about other games but like movies literature music um it it probably is largely other games because i'm you know a gamer you know uh i i think it's really hard not to be influenced by basically everything you've ever you know, played or consumed or, or whatever. So it's kind of hard to pick apart direct influences. Um, but I can I can sort of sort of talk about the games we were like looking at and like studios that we wanted ourselves to be. Um, so like Supergiant is a huge role model um, in the industry, probably for everybody. You know, because they make such fantastic games. Um, uh, also, of course, Team Cherry with Hollow Knight. Um, Alex, who's our artist, and myself are both uh, huge, huge Hollow Knight fans. Um, and what they did for the indie space, I think, was was fantastic. Um, but I wouldn't say that any of those games inspired Dredge necessarily. Um, I It sounds really weird, but the... 2D flash game Motherload is probably the main inspiration for Dredge. So for those who don't know, this is, I don't know, 15, 20 years old now. Um, it's it's a game where you like move a little mining robot. It's like a side-on um, kind of grid-based map, and you like dig down for gems and stuff, and you fill up your little robot, and then you fly back to the surface, and you sell the gems, you then can upgrade your drill and your engines and, and capacity. Uh, and the main thing in that game is that whenever you move, you lose fuel. Um, so that that loop is just so tight. You're always thinking about where you're going. You're planning your route to the next like diamond or ruby spot. Um, and you can you can already see the similarities here with the, with the loop of dredge, right? Um, but obviously, it's not mining. It's not 2D. You know, Motherlode didn't really have a story. Um, so I guess that inspired the the core loop of the game. Uh, and then I'm also a huge fan of Frostpunk, uh, which is a cold-based city builder, uh, which, again, is a weird inspiration for Dredge. Uh, but I think it just has this fantastic commitment to its core theme of being fucking cold uh and the way that like the the menu freezes over when you open it and just how all the systems kind of relate to that um yeah commitment to a core concept which is is something that we i guess try to do with our inventory system uh because in dredge your inventory is obviously where you put all your fish uh, but it's also like your loadout because you put in your rods and your engines and your lights. It's also your health bar. It's where you take damage. Uh, and it's we also kind of use it for environmental puzzles uh, where you have to you know fit in cod into certain shapes and stuff. 
so so yeah there's a there's a few um papers please again is another game we look to for like oh my god wouldn't it be fantastic to make a game like that you know it's something that is so focused on a on a small idea i guess uh and and weirdly i think i would call it cosmic horror papers please because it's like you know you're dealing with this faceless entity of this you know corrupt regime basically uh and i think unknown horrors and you know is basically cosmic horror Karen, when you when you played the game did it invoke any other sort of media did it bring any uh, anything to mind yeah, the media um that's a really good question actually because <laughs> honestly like when i was playing it the only thing i was thinking about was dredge like i don't know when i when i play a game like this especially one where again headphones on lights off just fully you know throwing myself into that horrible black ocean <laughs> it has no bottom only a horrible nightmare fish um geez <laughs> you've got me you've actually caught me yes. off guard with that one jesse I, I can't think of anything that King of interviews even came close because i was just again as i was playing it i was like oh, just 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 dredge it was I, i've heard a lot from the community um about two pieces of media that dredge reminds them of that i that i have not consumed either of uh and it's uh the movie the lighthouse um which is on my list of things to watch and a novel which i think is called the fisherman by i'm gonna get the name wrong like john jonathan langman or something uh which is on my list of things to read uh so if you like dredge uh go try to look up both of those things white has been on my list for a while it reminded me, like, once I finish the game, the closest connection I can find is Outer Wilds. Because, again, Cosmic Horror has a bit of a, a huge veneer in it, but when you look into it, both games are utterly terrifying. They nail the, the that isolation loop. Like, you're the only person you can really trust and rely on. And I think that's why these two are some of my favorite games. Um, but, yes, if you like Dredge, Go play Outer Wilds. If you like Outer Wilds, go play Dredge. Um, now, permissions before. Joel, you said you haven't been near the sea for a while. So maybe prior to this, what are what are your feelings towards fishing in general? You know, I actually told a lie because I forgot that we had our launch party on a boat. So I have been near, hey. near the sea. Um, although it wasn't a particularly pleasant boat experience. Um, it was quite choppy. Um, and I think quite a few of our guests felt a little sick so we were probably glad when the boat ride ended and we just went to a bar um but yeah well i have, I have been near it near the sea um as for my thoughts on fishing i am uh i think i'm the only one of the original team that uh has ever been fishing uh and i, I have some good memories of uh fishing with with my dad um actually some of them in uh perth uh, when I was, I don't know, like 12, I went on like a deep sea fishing charter thing. Uh, and he, my dad actually caught a bronze whaler, which is why there's a bronze whaler in, uh, in the oh. Marrows. Oh. Uh, I caught some other thing that actually isn't in the game, but maybe it'll be in, in one of the expansions. Um, uh, and yeah, we did, we did a bunch of like, uh, course fishing on like rivers and stuff, uh, back in England, which is where I grew up. Uh, so yeah, I've I've done fishing. Uh, I I think it's probably the reason that dredge exists. You know, the fact that my dad took me fishing and sort of 
cultivated that. I was also uh, I did I did used to keep tropical fish as well for a few years, uh, but when the Christchurch earthquake happened, uh, that kind of made tropical fish keeping a risky business yes. with a lot of glass and water around. So I haven't had any since the earthquake. You mentioned kind of putting in the, the, the fish that your father caught into the game. Are, are there any other things in the game that kind of came from real world experiences? Did you catch like an octopus handfish? Um, <laughs> no, although I have... I mean, this this is either a real story or I dreamed it. I don't know. I think <laughs> I've been like in a rock pool with a blue-ringed octopus, which is slightly the inspiration of for the glowing octopus, even though it's technically not a blue-ringed octopus, um, which is like super poisonous and I probably would have died. So I'm pretty sure that was a dream. I made that up. Uh, but I, I I think I think every every part of the game is like slightly inspired by real life events right like when you're writing dialogue which i found really difficult i think i tried to base all of these characters on sort of real people that i sort of knew i guess uh obviously they're in very very different situations to real people that i know uh <laughs> but yeah I, I really had to like attach characters to to different things in order to to kind of make them different otherwise they were all kind of feeling pretty samey you mentioned that's what made like writing dialogue a little bit tricky the dialogue in the game is actually one of my favorite parts because of how it because of how it's written there's no vo work in the game so it relies so much on how not just the words on the screen but how it's written and having a lot of characters speak very like very broken sentences convey so much emotion of those characters. So I'm actually surprised to hear you say that that's a part that was a bit tricky because to me, that was one of the biggest achievements in the game. Thank Ooh. you. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. The reason it was so difficult is because we put all these constraints on our dialogue. Um, we, with Dredge being our first game, we wanted to hit the widest audience possible, right? And that includes people who don't really want to read anything. And there's a lot of gamers who don't want to read anything, and that's fine. So we wanted to to keep that dialogue, you know, kind of optional um, and pretty pretty short and snappy. So you know, any anything any line that I wrote, I said right, it needs to um, be brief. It needs to either you know, like build on some law in a pretty relevant way, or like give a direct instruction. If it's not doing at least two of those three things, then it kind of doesn't have a point. Um, and writing brief stuff can just be really hard. Um, although I do enjoy just like sitting at a thesaurus website and just like finding cool new words um, that, I mean, if you throw in a word that you don't hear a lot, or perhaps you don't know the meaning exactly, that kind of adds to, to the mystery of, of the world as well. Very much so, which made me writing this the intro to this episode so goddamn tricky. I was trying as hard as I could to emulate, and I just could not do it. Um, Kyron, you did good, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, I was actually quite proud of that. Kyron, what are your thoughts on, on fishing? Do you have any, any fishing adventures? Boat adventures? Um, plenty. I mean, I lived in Queensland for about four years, so there was a good stretch of my life where fishing was just, and it was also like two blocks away from a beach. 
So like fishing was a daily thing for a bit there. I was terrible at it. Uh, and at the time I was just like, I don't get it. But like looking back at it, I get it a lot more. Obviously, like it's not so much catching the fish. It's like the experience of the fishing and just being there. And uh, yeah, so I'm a terrible fisherman, but I have fished. <laughs> fishing is like a loot box. You don't know what you're going to open, right? Yeah, yeah. But just a little bit less predatory. (laughs) I haven't been fishing for a long, long time. But I've definitely had the experiences of being on a boat and it gets really choppy and the boat almost flips over. So I'm kind of wary of the sea. I actually want to get a... um, I don't know how aware you two are of The Simpsons, but I do want to tattoo off... Never heard of it. It's this up and coming show. It's a very small little project. Um, uh, Matt Groening, you may have, you may hear oh, okay. from the future. Up and comer, uh, thirty under thirty. Matt Groening. Uh, there's a scene with a sea captain where he's looking out at the sea and he just says, "I hate the sea and everything in it." <laughs> now that's possibly my next tattoo of just him, like that real, like sea, the kind of um, the old sailor style tattoo. I really want that. So that's my my feelings towards the ocean. But when it comes to, I think when it comes to like the fish in this game, the, the the coolest ones are those deep sea fish that look like demons. I am obsessed with them. I think they're the most interesting things on Earth. Um, I remember when I went to, I think it was the Kyoto Aquarium. There are some, oh, sorry, the Osaka Aquarium. They have some deep sea fish as much as you possibly can oh, in the aquarium. <laughs> and I just stared at them. Like these big glowing jellyfish and these weird fish with little bulbs coming up absolutely in- incredible so when you start seeing these in the game I'm like all right like the game was made for me somehow i'm so happy right now <laughs> i got a question about the the future of the game this is for both of you so from the creator and the p- fan point of view where do you want to see dredge in five years time i'm talking sequels i'm talking film adaptations just pie in the sky what's the dream Oh yeah, yeah. Get a uh, get Brad Pitt on a boat. Done. I, I was actually going to say since we talked about the lighthouse, uh, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's probably got the beard. Who would be your dream? Uh, you know, fisherman and collector. Do some fan casting here, and I want your lighthouse keeper as well. Um. Well, uh, the the fisherman looks vaguely like our artist Alex as well. So we've sort of joked about putting him in the ring. You know, as an up-and-coming actor. <laughs> um, I don't know about a lighthouse keeper, though. You've got to be real, like, crotchety. Yeah, that's tricky. And I, I had to pull a picture so I could sort of, like, try to try to imagine. Who's, uh, who's Professor McGonagall again? What's her name? Oh, that would be... Um, oh, God. Oh, to tip my tongue, it's really for us. I'm yeah. so bad at names. <laughs> I'll edit. I'll edit the name in right here. Is it Maggie Smith? Maggie Smith. Now I don't have to do anything. Thank you, Maggie Smith. I, that I, is a good. Well, sea I captain. could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Maggie. No, Smith. it's the lighthouse keeper. Sorry, I say little sea captain. <laughs> Although uh, maybe mix it up. Um, <laughs> I would. I I could see this as a show, like a mini series. Because of the way the narrative unfolds, and I think this is something that people would latch onto. Yeah, I think there's, uh, like, we're so deliberately vague with with a lot of the storytelling. Um, there's a lot in the in the world as well that could just, you know, have things expanded upon. You know, there's this there's this suggestion in the game of 
this being a cyclical event. Don't know if you guys picked up on on that stuff, um, but with like the ancient lighthouse that you find in Devil's Spine, um, you know, is there a is there something that happened two thousand years ago that you could that you could go into? Um, yeah, being deliberately vague has helped us in in a lot of spaces as well. Um, you know, we don't have to be so concrete with the way everything sort of sort of lines up. Well, I mean, I guess that sort of ties into like what what do you see from a, a sequel? Because there there are multiple endings to the game. I guess if it was a TV show, you could do the whole like black mirror bandersnatch thing you could pick one you can vote now on which ending you want is there a canonical ending that could lead into a sequel or would it just be another version of this loop i don't think we've ever confirmed which ending we consider to be canonical and i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna leave it like that as well um just because i really enjoy all the fan speculation about it um Certainly one of the endings is probably easier to do like a direct sequel to than than the other. Because um, like one of them might be inside a monster, which is not the, the best place to set a game, but it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think we, we've not really had a chance to even really catch our breath since launch uh so we've we've not sat down and and talked about it you know we we didn't plan on doing any dlc yet here we are having just launched some dlc um you know we we had launch week back at the end of march and then things just exploded we um we had actually moved on from dredge for a, a few weeks we Leading up to launch, there's kind of nothing more for us to do. You know, builds are being submitted and tested and certified, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, us being pessimists or realists expected that we would be making an, a new game almost immediately. So we were we were sort of prototyping whatever was going to come next. Um, and then suddenly Dredge exploded and we sort of had to jump back onto all of that. Um, thinking about free updates, bug fixes, all that sort of stuff. And then the the demand for DLC was growing from sort of every every corner. Uh, so then, yeah, we we've been working on that. Yeah, we haven't really thought about a sequel yet. Karen, as a fan, what do you want for the sequel? Let's, let's do some um some fan speculation here on on, on a possible sequel. Karen, what do you think the canonical ending is, and how would you lead into a sequel? Um, of the two endings, I'm a, I'm not, I'm kind of a fan of uh of bleakness. So maybe maybe you know the inside inside the monster ending is what I would go with, and then maybe you know picking up, maybe maybe you could be somewhere else in the world, so, right? It doesn't need to, to be fair. Both endings are pretty bleak. You made it out like the other ones were like sunshines and lollipops. Oh, well, yeah, it's okay, not. yeah, yes. <laughs> no, okay. Look, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, <laughs> I I agree. I think being swallowed by the Leviathan to me is the canonical ending because it's like the good ending. I would love the idea. This is Joel. Feel free. To have this idea, take it away, just put me in the credits of the sequel. <laughs> I would love that if the sequel starts off and you're inside the Leviathan and you hear the voices of the hooded figures and you find out that when the hooded figures eat the fish that they need, they become the Leviathans, which adds into the whole thing of there being a massive loop in the game because when you do try to bake, break the bounds of the game, which I've done, or tried to, you start riding into these big Godzilla Leviathan monsters 
And it just shows us that that's how many there are. Like, that's how long this has gone for. So just, just you know, print it, send me a check. It's fine. That's how I want the, the sequence to start. And then he just, he spits you out and there's this all new fishing adventures a thousand years have passed. I, I will I will give you some some juicy behind the scenes Ooh. lore that probably no one's ever thought about or heard. Um, which is that you sort of you're sort of on the right track in that the hooded figures are are trying to transform. Um, but uh, they're doing it wrong. They're, they're fucking idiots. They're they're not on the right track. Um, at least not yet. Oh, okay. They all just turned the boats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Man know. Bird. I don't know if we're actually going to follow through on that not yet comment for me, but we'll see. <laughs> They're all trying to turn into that dog. One person did it right. People love oh, that dog, man. The dog. I didn't find it my first playthrough, and everyone's like, "Yeah, the dog." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Oh. I, I. It seems to be the <laughs> only part of the map that I haven't explored. I go to the point where I was just going around the borders of every single island, trying to find something. I'm like, I can't. Where, where is it? Like, have I killed it by accident? Like, did a fish get him? I don't know. Um, but I have, I have found him since, and he's he's a good boy, and maybe a hood, uh, one of the hooded figures. Who knows? Oh, I'm gonna be thinking about this for days now, trying to work out what they what <laughs> what they're trying to become and how they're fucking it up so bad. Move on to the the power reach. Like you said, came out last week. Absolutely glowing reviews, not just from, um, yeah members of the of the media the press but also also fans like Karen and myself really, really enjoyed it how how have the last few days been like obviously like you said launching the game it was a whole new experience dlc would have been the first time we've done that uh how's it all been it's been good um it hasn't exploded in the way that the main game did and i'm thankful for that in, in a lot of ways. Um, it's certainly been uh, pretty smooth. Uh, I won't say smooth sailing because I hate puns. Um, oh, I've I tried to withhold from this episode. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like I woke up at 3 a.m. For, for the launch uh, because that's when it goes live because our publisher in the, in the UK is the one that pushes the button. Um, so I'm glad I'm not responsible for pushing buttons at 3 a.m. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I just I just uh, wake up to sort of check that things are rolling out correctly, you know, boot it up I purchase it on the PlayStation, on the Switch and then on steam you know giving giving ourselves money from our own wallets i guess um <laughs> uh and yeah just just um watching people on twitch jump in uh and and sort of just observing uh responding to people uh if they have any any issues like there was a small um issue with some xbox achievements and, and things like that which got sorted pretty quickly um but yeah i just sort of like to to monitor sentiment from people um and see what people think and yeah i've been really really pleased with with the way that it's gone i think i think dlc is a really hard thing to do um because i think you're trying to achieve a lot of things well sometimes you're trying to achieve a lot of things with dlc you know you, you may be trying to re-engage players um you may be trying to make a bunch of money you may be trying to add more maybe you're trying to do different stuff um we we didn't have many of those things as goals. It was mainly just give more of the same to players. Uh, and I think that has been the main piece of feedback that's come through, which is just like, yeah, if you like dredge, it's more a dredge. 
which I'm really happy with. It was sort of comfort food. I think there's definitely enough new in there. You have that goddamn narwhal, which is whoever designed that narwhal. Holy shit, I love it so much. When you see that little bit of yellow light in the water, it's like, oh, go fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> and you're like screaming back to the dock. It's quick as well. Yeah, you, you could like just outrun it. And it's just enough that when it leaps, if you, as long as you're flooring it, you should be okay. But there are times you misjudge it. Also, there's a platform <laughs> where you can put fish down for it. And I didn't realize that when you put fish down for it, if you don't fill up the whole thing, it kind of, it just comes and eats them and kind of resets that whole thing. I just come back and like, where's my fish going? What's wrong? And then I, I, I put him down and then I turn around and I could see him. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Um, I, was, I, I was a little bit upset that I couldn't just harpoon that thing. But I'll, 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 I'll yes, let it be. So, so the harpoon is probably our like, number one requested feature that we're probably never going to add. Um, it was something that we almost included in the base game. And in fact, if you dig through the game files, you'll probably find an icon for it somewhere, which people have already found. Um, it was originally going to be our like anti-monster device in Twisted Strand. Um, so, uh, you know, in every, in every region of the game, there is a threat, and there is usually a way to deal with or avoid the threat. Um, typically, it's not killing the monster, because that's not very cosmic horror-y, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it was going to be uh, a thing in Twisted Strand. You would talk to the airman, and he would, uh, like, I don't know, like ride on your boat and fire the harpoon, or like install it for you or something. Um, and we sort of, you know, whiteboarded that out, and we just thought it was, wasn't going to work, basically. Twisted Strand is this really hard-to-navigate uh, area of the game where you're, you're probably crashing into stuff and getting lost. And then to sort of turn the game into maybe a twin-stick shooter for a bit, um, sometimes, you know, in, in some rolling waves as well, didn't fit the game. Um, and we were pretty, pretty confident that we could have a game without any combat. So yeah, no harpoon. Also, we were pretty sure people would want to start like harpooning our whale and our dolphins and stuff. Yeah. So we would have to like find a solution yeah. to those interactions, and it was just going to get complicated forever, basically. I, I quite like that sort of the way you fight back against monsters is very minimal because it makes you feel small, as you should feel small in a cosmic horror. You were a very small part off the world like there are inconceivable things happening why can you shoot them it doesn't it wouldn't really make sense so look i'm just a little bit tested towards narwhal narwhal because he killed me a, a lot give me a few days my harpoon lost will disappear and i'll be able to appreciate it properly um how, how did you guys go about coming up with the ideas for the for the dlc like after the original launch like the game's so beloved how, how do you add to that um I guess I can talk a little bit about the Iron Rig expansion, which is our next expansion, uh, which was going to be coming out this year as well, around now. Um, and basically, for a number of reasons, we realized, because we we had essentially given a date for that before we had fully scoped the amount of work. Uh, and then we started working on the Iron Rig, and we realized that it was going to be bigger and bigger than we had anticipated. So we said, right, we got to push it back to next year. Um, 
but we'd kind of promised our players that there was going to be something this year and it didn't really sit right to break that promise we also didn't want to crunch um so we then pivoted to working on something smaller which is the pale reach um which is why it sort of came out of nowhere it wasn't on our original roadmap but it was on one of our original whiteboards from week two of the project basically you know we were coming up with what are the areas that are in this game you know there's the main area and then there's going to be the tropical area and the jungle area and the volcano area and of course there was going to be an ice level right uh but due to a number of uh you know reasons we we cut it for for time basically uh and so it just felt natural um to slot that in i guess it, it was a little challenging to figure out where it would fit in in the story you know if it had been as part of the main game it probably would have been part of the the main flow with the collector and all the relics and stuff but we didn't want to add a dlc that people had to start a new save for um so that basically necessitated a side story which i think is okay but but in terms of uh designing the the narwhal um i don't remember it might have been it might have been mikey's suggestion or maybe alex's uh, one of the the artists um we we like to corrupt existing species as you can tell from the rest of the game uh so so yeah i think originally it was a polar bear perhaps um but the idea of a big big horn that was very visible um which helped with player communication uh that uh that sort of directed us towards towards a narwhal it's kind of a a mixture anyway it's got like a polar bear's nose if you if you get up in photo mode and look real close um or if you pay a visit to the to the big guy in in the region you'll see that there too if the big guy like it's mother father could be. Oh, now I'm feeling bad. I hate it, but it's mum's dad. No, no, no. You made it matter, Jesse. Yeah, I I can just picture that that scene, that yellow light in the water. That that is actually one of the most terrifying things in this game. Seeing that little bit, I got used to seeing the red eyes and the tentacles. Like I've upgraded my ship. I'm I'm, I'm swerving around, I'm making them look like fools. But that yellow horn haunts me. Absolutely haunts me. I actually I had to downgrade my ship speed a little bit in Pale Reach because I was I was like hoofing it across the ocean in the end game, and I got into that little into those little corridors. I'm like, oh, oh. I, I'm I'm too quick. Uh, yeah, pe- people find that in Twisted <laughs> Strand as well. I am not that careful. I am drifting. <laughs> oh, I have to, to say, but when I got the uh, the, the um, plow for getting through the ice blocks, that was so satisfying. Just I would just go out of my way to smash through as many as I could. I was going to say that tactile feel of just going out. It's like, I don't need to, but yes. bang, bang, bang. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing on con- on controller, you get a nice rumble as well with that. When I when I set up this, peeling back the veil a little bit, when I do one of these episodes, I do send out a little questionnaire to people just to understand what they want to talk about, maybe some things they don't want to talk about, and just them in general so I can help come up with a few questions. Joel, you put uh, a little note in here that I think really lines up with current. So I'm going to give you guys... A few minutes here, okay? I'm going to play some music in the background. I'm going to go quiet for a little bit. Karen, you, you now host the podcast for a moment. <laughs> You're both massive Destiny 2 fans. Oh, no. Where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> Not currently playing. <laughs> it's been a... Yeah. This, this season hasn't, hasn't really... Well, the last 
uh, this season it hooked me more than last season, but um, there's been too many good games, so I've sort of been uh, the brakes have been pumped, and I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen next season. Obviously, Bungie must be as well to figure out how committed I'll be to that. <laughs> if it's a six month season, then I'll just be uh, sliding right in whenever I want. Yeah, yeah. So I last time I played was. Uh, just after Lightfall dropped, um, I I used to play, used to play quite a lot, um, but nowadays it's generally I just drop in after the expansion and then do, well maybe just before an expansion and sort of do all of the, the last year's seasons. Um, even though it sort of feels like you're missing missing yeah. a bit of it, uh, and then do the expansion and then inevitably just sort of sort of tail off. Um, yeah, I, I actually play a lot with uh, one of my mates who is now our new community manager, in fact. Um, so so our, our plan is, yeah, to, to jump back in before the final shape and sort of clean up this year's seasons, which, you know, there was sort of an underwater season, which is pretty pretty freaking cool. Um, and, and also sort of coincidentally looking at the, uh, the final shapes reveal they, uh, the name of the the zone is called the Pale Heart, um, and we saw that reveal. I mean, a few <laughs> weeks before we revealed the Pale Reach, and I was like, "Oh my god, this language!" <laughs> and all the mentions of like the heartbeat under the ice and stuff like that. Oh, that's spot on. When I started hearing the heartbeat in the Pale Reach, I was like, "Oh, what, what's this?" I freaked the fuck out. It, sorry. Also, back to Pale Reach, the, the, like the laughter. That could have just been me. I don't know. But when I was getting towards it, I could hear something. I thought it was going to be like a bunch of seals, like kind of going along next to my boat, but there was nothing. I may have just been having a hallucination. There's no laughter in the game. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's nothing. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no. Jesse, are you okay? Jesse, um, you might need to see something. I have been seeing, I've been seeing this guy. He's called The Collector. He's been asking me to grab some stuff for him. <laughs> he seems like a pretty good bloke. Handsome Don't fellow, do I'll tell you that much. Handsome <laughs> no. fellow. Um, Here's where I'm at with Destiny. Uh, Lightfall didn't land, really, which is part of a reason why I have not played mm. as heavily this Witch year. Queen was so good, though. I, I thought the the um, yes. the, the like reveal trailer of the, oh my god, the hive have the light was incredible. I still go and watch a lot of Destiny trailers, you know, every few months because they're so well done um and they just get me hyped just for no reason i guess um but yeah witch queen was quite was great lightfall was is okay uh i they they had some yeah. problems that they, i feel yeah. they could have fixed with a few lines of dialogue you know what it what was the name of the thing that you were trying to find the mast or the the veil Oh, the radial mast, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I think they set themselves up in an impossible position. Like, was because it was like they kept talking up Lightfall as being like the Infinity War moment or whatever, and then we get there, and like we meet these new characters. There's characters who there's a character who doesn't make it through the game, and when that part happened, I was just like, I'm really sorry, but I'm just not. I don't. I don't feel yeah. anything from this. Although, I, I gotta say, though, the moment, and I forget which season it was in, where the Traveller begins to leave. Spoilers. I mean, whatever. Um, where the Traveller begins to leave, and the the cutscene pans out to that shot uh, of, like, Earth and the Traveller and the Pyramids, and then, you know, people started to realise that this was actually, like, the promo art from 
10 years ago. Um, you know, wh whether that was always the plan or whether that's sort of like a retcon event or, or whatever, I just think it's a fantastic commitment to an idea. And I think Bungie are absolutely incredible at what they do. Um, for me, there really is not a first-person shooter like it. And, you know, I can't imagine there being no. one for me anytime soon. Uh, obviously, the layoffs absolutely suck for them. Um, but for everyone on that team, I think they're an incredible studio. Yeah, I, th I think actually you mentioned that cutscene from that. That was like, it was Season of a Seraph, so the one just before Lightfall. That's it. That was like, that cutscene got me so excited. And then like the, the like the atmosphere of a tower changed and that, that like more sad track that played. And then there was all the trailers leading up to Lightfall. And I was just like, oh, my hype is at like 11 right now. So that's, that's, so when Lightfall sort of, faltered a bit i was like oh that's done because you, you were like they were like right there i was so ready to go we, we got this big space battle at the start of a game the tower was like surrounded by the our allied fleet i'm like oh this is great and then just sadly the story it's they've sort of they got some momentum back with like additional dialogue they added like radio calls and stuff they put in but yeah just the initial lightfall sort of stung a bit this season's been really good, though. I actually really have liked this season and the story it's telling, and I hope the next season's good. It could be. Uh, the, the setting they've got for it is interesting, and I'm always a sucker for uneasy alliances, so well, spoilers, I guess. Um, you bring back a character like Sabathun, who's like just chaos embodied. I'm like, well, I'm here. Like, If that's our ally, this like, enemy who was kicking our ass, like, yeah, okay, I'm, I can't say no to this storytelling. I love it. Like, enemy turn uneasy alliance. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was just going to say that, like, I, I have a lot of faith in Bungie. I, I've seen what they can do, uh, with things like Witch yeah. Queen, uh, and I'm really glad they delayed Final Shape. I cannot imagine working on the the sort of content treadmill of having seasons and expansions. You know, obviously they're they're working like six months ahead of when things are released or whatever. Um, yeah, I. I think it'll be good for them. Um, seasons must take a whole lot of work uh, and, and anything that takes out of those big Avengers Infinity War style moments from expansions um, is just going to make, make them worse. So the, the delay is good. I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. And I, it's a, it's a series that really deserves to do well because uh you know, I, I don't see many games in the industry with, you know, like a 10-year plan, a 10-year roadmap for for a saga, which is just, you know, an incredible thing to be a part of as a player. Yeah, and I, I, I do remember scoffing at it early on in the Destiny 1 days, being like, oh, yeah, but 10 years of Destiny, we'll see about that. But it, it only took a couple of years for me to realize, no, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to pull it off. And it's pretty crazy to think that next year is like the final shape. And then it's like whatever's next after that. Hopefully when they pivot to like doing the episodes instead of like seasons, maybe that'll work better for them. Cause yeah, I can't imagine. Cause especially with how the, the community, some members of the community don't seem like they really understand, I guess, how much work would go into like maintaining seasons and then all the other bits and the moving pieces for story in the bigger expansions. And then even like the smaller PVP strikes or I, I can't imagine how much work that must take. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Like looking as a as a player and as a as a developer, um, looking at these things like Destiny, like Baldur's Gate three, um, they they are like engineering marvels to me. Like they're the equivalent of looking at like the Golden Gate Bridge 
for me just because i have no fucking idea how they do it um you know i sort of sort of barely keep things under control as just like one dev and, and two artists and, as as our team how do you do it with like a thousand people how do you keep all those balls rolling um and like mm. the the dialogue in Baldur's gate three like how the fuck did, does it oh all make God. sense it, but it does yeah anyway we could talk about we could talk about that for another half hour as well, so we won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, maybe I'll have to get you back on because I'm going to start Baldur's Gate next week. I haven't, haven't touched it yet, and I'm very, very excited to. Yes. Just with Destiny as well. I, I got really into kind of OG Destiny and then went away from it for a while. But I, I always had that itch because it is the best like feeling first-person shooter ever, ever made. The gunplay in the game is absolutely second to none. I tried to get into Lightfall this year. And Bungie just needs to find a way to make coming, being a returning player or a new player actually work. Because I got into it, I played it for a little bit. The thing is, I was actually kind of liking Lightfall, which makes me so hyped for like, well, what have I missed and what's to come? Because if this is being considered kind of mid for a Destiny expansion, whatever's going to be good, I'm going to absolutely love. But just trying to find like, mission markers and what to do next and catch you up on the law it's so tricky and convoluted that i just, I just gave yeah. up in the end the, the, this path has been been trodden uh you know a thousand times before already but yeah it it does suck um the number of friends i've had that have wanted to get into it and have you know jumped in and then said, right, how do I do this? And I'm like, I literally don't know because it's changed three times since I played and you have to Google it. And then, of course, all of that yeah. information is outdated. So your best guess is, you know, as good as mine. Jesse, try try, try again at Final Shape. I'll team up with you. like, Because unfortunately, but usually the best way to, if you want to get into Destiny is you sort of need someone else who plays Destiny to sort of run you through some stuff. <laughs> Because it is very confusing. Well, there's a, there's a fire team of three right here. Done. Lock it in. It's true. Also, we kept trying to set things up for Lightfall. never happened. But Final <laughs> Shape, I'm in. Um, and just help me, please. <laughs> Guide me on my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to Dredge. What's sort of next for yourself and for, for Black Salt Games? Um, we, might, we might take a little bit of a, little bit of a break before Christmas um to to sort of recover from from the power reach but obviously we are um still in the middle of uh our next expansion the iron rig um which uh, we don't really have a date for yet uh we'll we'll see where the design and where all the whiteboard scribbles take us um and you know whether we need to look at any any feedback from you know the power reach reviews and what people um thought and what they wanted because um, obviously uh, it's our first ever dlc uh so you know we've got some some things to learn from that uh so yeah we'll be we'll be focusing on on the iron rig uh but as i mentioned before you know there were there were prototypes of, of new games being thrown around before we knew dredge was a success so whether we sort of go back to some of those or whether we continue on dredge sort of remains to be seen and 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 planned for um the amazing thing about Dredge is that it has been a success, like financially for us. And you know, it was we we had a, a two-year runway as a as a self-funded studio, so we basically had one shot with with Dredge, uh, and now we 
have enough to have a few more shots um, with other games. So whatever we do next, I think it's fair to say we'll probably feel like Dredge in a way. Um, I would love if if we as a studio could develop a game that feels like a Black Salt Games game, you know, um, in the way that all, all Supergiant games sort of feel like Supergiant games. Um, that would be the, the absolute pinnacle um, of achievement for us to sort of develop a, a high quality um, reputation, I suppose. Um, I think you commented earlier, like, is it going to be a bird watching game? Um, in the way that like fishing is a strange medium to base a game around. Um, you might not be far wrong, honestly. I, I'm, I'm slightly convinced that I could probably do this with um, every skill from old school RuneScape, turn it into like a, its own game. <laughs> so maybe it's going to be like a cosmic horror mining game next. I don't know. That would be excellent. <laughs> very, very cool. We're going to hold you to that. Um all right, to wrap up, we're going to ask the, the, the final question I ask in every episode of Love Letters, um, but I'm going to ask the both of you, so I need an answer from both of you. In three words, what does dredge mean to you? You're going to have to edit out some silence here. I've got to think on this uh, one. Every, every episode I have to. <laughs> it's a tricky one. Look, for me, Jesse, it's the ocean. No, it's too many words. Ocean <laughs> scares me. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Um, all right, so my, my three words. Um, uh, it's our future. Uh, because as, as I just said, like, you know, it represents th- us as a studio having a future. Um, obviously, that, that's not relating to, to the game itself, but it's, you know, it's, it's for Black Salt. Dredge is our future. Um, not saying you're going to get Dredge games forever, but just, you know. <laughs> we can hope, though. No, I, I'm very much looking forward you to seeing hope. what you guys have next, coming up next because if this is your first and you've learned lessons from this, whatever you come up with next is going to be absolutely fucking incredible. And we'll have to have you on again for that game. Thank you. And also, we'll plug you. Yep. Maybe, maybe you I'll, I'll try and get you on for a Destiny episode because I think you guys had a lot more to speak about. There. Probably. <laughs> There's a lot, of, yeah. a lot of Destiny thoughts. With that, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Joel, please plug away. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on on t- Twitter at bsg underscore Joel. Uh, you can find anything about Dredge by, I mean, just Googling it, basically. Uh, dredgegame.com, I think, will take you there. Blacksaltgames.com will take you somewhere else. Uh, Dredge is obviously on Steam, on GOG, on Xbox, on Switch, on PS4, on PS5, uh, and, I mean, Steam Deck as well. It plays great on, on Steam Deck. Um basically everywhere uh yeah and while you're there also make sure you get payout reach as well because i need to talk to more people about that game and this goddamn narwhal karen how about you where, where you at what are you doing uh look you can still find me on twitter where i am at lemon man x uh i'm still there you're stuck i'm there oh, going yeah. down with the ship <laughs> Bit like that isn't it um and of course you're on uh dog <laughs> options a video game podcast part of the story mode gaming yes. network um go go give them a listen they talk about video games it's good stuff i'm sometimes on there talking about spider-man go give them a subscription a review a listen a like some love while you're there make sure you do all those same things for love letters so spotify itunes all good podcasting platforms give us a follow just i am very fragile i have a very fragile ego so please 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 do that uh we're also on your socials at 
love letters show on threads and Instagram and on Twitter because some coward saw my name at love underscore letters pod. Um, we also have a, a football AFL podcast if you happen, if th- that Venn diagram happens to cross over where you are, uh, at Falcon Footy Pod. We're doing a team of the week lately. Uh, last week, we interviewed Lorne Gibbs, friend of the show, about Brisbane Lions. And believe me, you don't have to like football to listen to this one because it's fucked. <laughs> it's absolutely deranged. It's a good, good time. Thinking of good times, Joel, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Um, I still kind of can't believe we got somebody who's made one of my favorite games on the show. This is really cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, thank you for all of your like support your shout outs on your various podcasts and tweets and and your name on twitter obviously Kyron, uh you know <laughs> all of those things really helped during development like legitimately it, it gave us a lot of like encouragement as a team to hear all these nice things that people are saying so thank you i remember we released an episode of the story mode podcast and we we mentioned um dredge like in in on the tweet and i think we got a re- response or even just a like and Kyron and i freaked the fuck out <laughs> fanboy moment it was fantastic i'm not used to it i just tweet into the void and sometimes and then when i get a reaction like that i'm like what are you no no you you, you saw you listened oh okay it's fun of all games for the void to to speak back to it dredge seems like an appropriate one um (laughs) karen i'll thank you as well i'm gonna thank you but you're also here a few weeks so thanks (laughs) thanks for dropping on by yeah it's i'm I don't go fast. Well, so thankful for that. Worry. I'm around. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that one. Uh, if you want, go check out some of our older episodes. But in the meantime, be safe. Play some games. Play Dredge. Play the Pair of Reach. Get it done. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Mwah. <laughs>